Welcome to the first ever podcast. My name is Jeremy Bohm. I am your host. And if this is your first time here, this is a show where I interview artists of all kinds about the first experiences in their art form that led them to where they are today. My guest this week for episode 141 is Bobby Villain. He is one half of the duo that make up Bob Villain. They just dropped the deluxe version of their latest album, The Price of Life. So if you need an intro into what they sound like, hit that up. They are like the coolest amalgamation of hip hop, punk, metal, grime. It's very unique. I first heard them because one of my best friends, Joey Cahill, who runs 6131 Records, put it on his favorite records of last year. And I checked it out and was like, holy shit, this is so different and so original. I haven't had a chance to see them live yet. So if you get an opportunity with those dates, you you uh, you're going to make me jealous. Uh, I leave for tour in just a couple weeks here, so I, I unfortunately won't be in the U.S. for it. Um, hey, I want to let you know if you're new here that there is a bonus episode available right now where Bobby answered questions that were submitted by subscribers. You can hear that over at patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon. Subscribe for as little as $3 a month and you can get access to that, plus a ton of other bonus content. You get a Discord channel, all sorts of fun stuff is happening over there. Help support the show and it means a whole lot to me. Um, But yeah, other than that, I think that's it. Uh, Like I said, I leave for tour. If you're interested in checking out dates for Touche Amore, we have a full European tour that we leave for May 31st. You can check that over at toucheamore.com slash tour. All right, I think that's it. Here is my conversation with the talented, the humble, the hilarious, the kindest man in the UK. Here's my conversation with Bobby Villain. How's it going, Bobby? So nice to meet you, officially. It's nice to meet you, too. Dude. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. We just before we started recording, we were having a chat about the weather in uh in our wherever we are right now in this world. And um you were just saying it's a lovely day. There. Are you yeah. in London right now? I am, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm in London. And it is a lovely day today. Yeah. Okay. Describe to me what you consider a lovely day in London. Are we talking about like the sun is out, it's hot, it's humid? Well, it's... that is yeah. dependent on the time of year because okay. obviously we're in April at the moment. So yeah. It's not raining, which is great, but then the sun's out and I'm able to go out in kind of like a t-shirt and a light kind of cardigan sort of thing, jumper. Uh, So that's a lovely day because it's April. But if it was like this in August or July, I probably wouldn't be as thrilled. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it's dependent. It's dependent. Yeah. Has it been raining pretty nonstop there? So this is like a nice break in that. Um, yeah, it's been raining quite a bit, to be fair. I mean, April is kind of like that time where, you know, it's it's raining or it's like this, you know? Right. It's 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 yeah, it's kind of tricky weather. But um I've enjoyed today and I've got my fingers crossed for tomorrow as well. Oh, know? I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah, I swear to God, it's like for for the amount of times that I've been lucky enough to come over there and tour over the summers and whatever, I'm just never I well, I just like realize that I am never properly packed, you know, <laughs> Okay. like I'm like, oh, it's it's clearly going to be warm. And then, you know, I don't have a rain jacket or yeah. or or I, I pack way too much like rain jackety type stuff and I then it's this. hot. 
Last you know, time you were over here was last year, right? Around would have been a bit, would have been like September. The last tour, because I saw on the last tour, I came and saw you guys in Milton Keynes at Crawford Arms. Oh shit, you were at that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there. I wouldn't have missed it, man. That's awesome. Wait, that was wait. It was last year. That was with uh, Scowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was a super fun show. That was a that's a nice little intimate venue. All their gear got lost or stolen. Oh my god. Like on the plane over, I think. They, yeah, they had trouble. Right, because everybody was coming over for outbreak. Yeah. That's and good, yeah. and the amount of band I'm sure it's gotten better now, but the amount of bands who lost all of their stuff on those flights was crazy. Like we showed up to our hotel. And ceremony had just pulled up, right? And they were just laughing. They're like, literally, nothing arrived. And then when we, uh, so we we were hearing that that was happening, and then our drummer, we were like, you know, we're when we're at like the baggage area, we're just like fingers crossed, yeah. yeah. And like ninety five percent of this stuff didn't uh, did arrive, but what didn't right. arrive was just like snare and cymbals, like okay. the the most lowbrow thing to have to ask another band to borrow, <laughs> but uh, but. Um, so we showed up and we're like griping about this. And then like ceremonies, like we have a keytar that didn't arrive. Like what the <laughs> fuck are we supposed to do? Like this is disaster, but, uh, yeah, it all ended up working out, but yeah, I think scowl ended up just like borrowing a bunch of our stuff, which is like, yeah, totally, yeah, yeah. totally fine. Um, have you had much trouble with that, with, uh, with traveling around? Like, have you, have you guys, do you guys have a pretty good oh, track record? Yeah, we've got a great track record, but that's because we don't, we travel light, you know, like right. our stage setup is different. It's not like, you know, it's not four guys at the back, like the guitars yeah, and, yeah, the yeah. and everything. So, but we, the only time we've had any issue is when we played a festival in France and I knew at like, you know, I was going through the boarding and I knew it was going to happen because I'm checking the thing in and the person behind the desk is like, um, I'm saying, do I need to like make sure that I pick this up? Because we've got a connecting flight. So I'm like, do we need to pick this up when we go oh, through there? Right. And they're like, no, no, no. I'm going to put this tag on it and I can. it's going to make it onto the plane that you jump onto next. I said, you're 100% sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be fine. But in my head you know, and in my gut, you know, you feel something. You go, yes, no, this is this is not right. And then we get there and we're waiting. And I did the same thing that you're saying. Sarah. I'm laughing. I'm just like, <laughs> like, I knew this was happening. I knew this was happening. Yeah. It was a quick festival. We were in and out. And so, you know, we were playing that same night. And oh, we made, no. we were doing acrobatics to even get to the festival in the first place. But um, because it was like you needed COVID pass and all of that stuff. Oh, and right, I didn't yeah. I didn't have the thing in time and all of this. And it was just a nightmare. But we got there and they managed to get everything for us that we needed. Oh, and amazing. I was blown away. And it was actually one of the most incredible shows we've ever played. And I'm so glad that we made it work. And we, I've got video footage of it as well. And I watch it regular. And I just, and it's, it's, it's so much fun. I'm having so much fun on stage. The crowd is having so much fun. And I'm just, you could never tell that we turned up there with nothing and we're stressing out and 
I then, you know, they found it like a week later. I had to go back to the airport and go and get the stuff. And oh it was my God. beat up and broken. And I was just like, oh, oh terrible. But the show much, was incredible. Yeah. How much do you think your performance at that show was the built up stress just finally coming out of you? Because I often think that's because that's such a familiar story, right? Like, yeah. uh, you had the worst day, like your van broke down, like uh, none of the guitar amps or, you know, whatever the situation yeah. is. And then all of a sudden, you're on stage and you're just like so mentally exhausted. But as soon as the song clicks in, you're just like, fuck it. And then all of that just comes out of you. You know, I think there was an element of that, but I, I really, I think the majority of the energy came from the fact that the festival sourced everything. We like very specific, like it was a specific interface that we needed. And somebody was like, I've got that at my place. And oh my God. they lived maybe like 20 minutes away, half an hour away. And we were on in like a couple of hours and they went back, got it, picked it up because they are DJ. So they had this thing. And it was just like, I think the camaraderie. The majority, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. incredible. And I think the energy was just like, oh, they have like really bent over backwards to make this work. They sourced a mixer. They sourced the interfaces, everything, the, like everything. And I think wow. there was... I think it was appreciation that was oozing yeah. out of me of like, I am going to give this place the the show of its life. Like they've never seen before because I just, you know, you feel like, wow, they, how did they manage to do this? That's beautiful. I really yeah. love that. When you, tr when, you know, this might even be something that we would talk about later on in the show, but I'll just step on it now. But like when you two are performing, it is still just you two, right? At this point, just the two yeah. of you, right? So, yeah. uh, there's just drummer and you. So, yeah. who's running the tracks, and like, how long did that take to get comfortable doing that? Like, are you setting up the tracks? Is he setting up the tracks? Yeah. So I I set up the tracks beforehand, um, but like we've kind of got it down now. But before I was I was like triggering the tracks, so I was like you know had control of that. But then we switched it over so that now. Lil Bob, he has he has the control of of when the tracks start and and stuff. So this it's kind of it took a moment for us to get in sync because when I was doing it, I was talking and introducing the tracks, and then it's bang, it's yeah. like uh, But then it took a little like a moment, but it was maybe like a you know a show or two shows that we then and it was like okay, cool, we're rolling now, and now it's kind of like. You know, you have looks that you can give each other and be like, okay, it's coming here and da da da. Yeah. Kind of, I was almost wondering because you know. I, I was watching some live videos uh, over the last couple of days and like I was almost wondering if it got to a point where you just, if you, you know, you, if your set is 45 minutes, you just like hit play and then it just like goes through the whole time because it, it felt so seamless where like I couldn't oh, tell yeah. who was starting the track and, and whatever. Yeah, no, else, it's, so. it's, it is like it's individual. So like we have each track individual and like we can, you know, we can like launch into anything. So if any, somebody in the crowd says, play, da, 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 we can go, all right, cool, we play that. And then we can, you know, we can just jump straight into it so that it's not yeah. like uh, on a playlist almost where it's like, no, we can't play that because we don't have it here at hand. Yeah. So, I mean, we can still do it. We can still jump into it. Yeah, that's the best excuse in the world for also not being able to, or not wanting <laughs> slash being able to play a song. Like, Sorry, we just don't have it. We know? don't have that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're all out of that. 
Yeah, <laughs> sold out of that. Um, so, are, if I if my research is correct, are you from Ipswich, Ipswich uh, originally? Yeah, yeah, I am. So, um, my, you know, the way that family is like, uh, some of my family is in 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 London, some of my family is in Ipswich, and so uh, yeah, I'm kind of like a a, a city slicking country bumpkin, you know, because I saw a country kind of lifestyle. Um, growing up there but then I also saw a city lifestyle kind of you know here as much as I could be you know holidays and all of that stuff weekends and stuff like that you know sure yeah, yeah I saw it's like so it's about it looks like it's about like a two hour a little two plus hour trek into, uh, into London from there Is that well, right? it, well that depends that's probably if you're going into the center but from like so my my dad is in London and my mom is in Ipswich and so okay. um but my dad is like East London. And so from East London, it's just one road, just almost straight to Ipswich. It's like an oh. hour and hour and 10, maybe. Okay. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. And same kind of on the train as well from where he is. I mean, if you're going over to South London or something, then yeah, it's going to take two hours or whatever. But from East London, which is kind of real, actual London. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, that's what a lot of people, Americans especially, probably think of when they think of London is probably like East London. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. So that's, that's kind of there. Um, when you were growing up, what was the first thing that you connected with musically that felt like it was yours? Maybe not something that was being played in the house by either of your parents, but like something that you discovered on your own and like made you feel like you had your own sort of identity. Um, hmm. so, well, the first thing that I connected with was Hanson, you know, Umba. Hell, of course I know Umba. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the first thing that I connected wow. with musically because they were kids. Yeah, of course. Do you know what I mean? And like, yeah. and I remember seeing it and thinking, like, I was very young. I remember thinking, like, wow, like that. I didn't know that we could do that. Do you know, like, kids, like children, could what they're making like, and the song is just like the one of the best songs ever in the world. It's just an incredible song. It's like it, one, it's top tier pop song. It's oh, it's pop candy. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Like it's yeah, top tier yeah, yeah. pop song. Like it's up there with like the "Hit Me Baby One More Times" and the, the the "I Want It That Way." Like it's up there. So that was the first thing that kind of connected with me, where I was like, "Wow, that's a thing that people can do as a job, or like you know, like you can make music and you can be a kid." But yeah. then the first thing that like I felt was mine was probably was probably Ghostface Killer um Iron Man that album and that again would have came out I would have discovered it like later do you know what I mean like yeah, way yeah, after yeah. it came out but like I think that was probably the album that I I had a friend buy it for me because again I wasn't old enough to buy it. I had the it had the parental advisory sticker on it and they wouldn't have sold it to me. So I had an older friend go and buy it for me and uh I listened to it and I still have the same CD that I 
that 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 is in my it survived this long yeah 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 and uh that was the first thing i think like this is mine and i've discovered this um and i've and it was like the first thing i bought myself i think but then there's a whole bunch of other things as well because there was like garage music and grime music which like i don't know how much you know about that but it's like a very english uk thing and yeah. that would have been like that wasn't stuff that was like on sale because it was all through like pirate radio stations and stuff like that but oh, interesting that would have been like that was the very very beginning of like i'm gonna do that like that's the thing that i'm gonna do okay okay when I heard that, that. sure sure uh just to backtrack a little bit with with what we start with the 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 Hanson thing it's funny like I don't think I would have ever realized that that would have been a worldwide phenomenon you know what I'm saying like I like that it popped off that big over in the UK as well were they like massive massive there I don't think that song was big I suppose like I don't I don't really think they had anything else over here that I don't, I mean, that, that was, oh, sa- yeah, kind of same then, too. That was yeah, the song. Yeah, 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 it was the song. But again, I was like, I don't know how old I would have been, but I would have been so young that I probably wouldn't have been cognizant of anything like that. Do you know what I mean? Of like, oh, yeah. they've got this other hit or whatever. It's just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. well, that's a, that's dope. Like there's these kids and they're singing. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about like the pop sensibility of that song. It's like when you really think about it, you just you strip away what the band looks like or whatever else. But like that actual chorus feels so timeless. Like it sounds like yeah. a, like you if you get if you gave that chorus to like the Jackson five, like it has that sort of energy yeah. to it. Yeah. You know what Abs- I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, yeah. So that's why I think that that song has sort of stood the test of time. It's like, if you throw that on at any point, like everyone in the room is just going like, ah, oh, yeah, this, this song is a jam. <laughs> yeah. And even what they did look like, like from what I remember, like they were like, is it like three brothers? And they look, yeah. I don't know where they're from, but they look very kind of surfery, totally blonde, long hair. And like, they yeah. looked they looked cool as well, I suppose, at that time. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. It was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, they looked like they come from Hollywood. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's sure. like, I, I can't actually, you know what? For the sake of the conversation, this will just be fun. I don't care. This is Hanson. Where, where I, mean, I don't know what they look like now, but. I, oh, I, yeah. They're, they're, still they're still going, though. They're they're, still making, yeah. yeah, they're yeah, still. Yeah. They're still they're from Oklahoma. Okay, so they're they're oh, okay. Uh, so they're not yeah, yeah. okay, but they had such like kind of they look surfy vibes, man. I don't know. For you can't sure. surf in Oklahoma, can you? Yeah, no, yeah. hell no. Yeah. <laughs> Landlocked, right? It's Midwest. Very, oh yeah, that's right in the center. The that's yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, that's right above Texas. Um, right. Okay. The uh, that's yeah. So then now with Ghostface, like, were you already into hip hop? But then like, obviously, Ghostface is like a uh, just the top tier yeah. version of hip hop. So like, had you already been interested in it and that was just like, you know, top tier echelon or was that yeah. kind of a gateway for you? Yeah, no. So I was already into it. So I think like, it would have been the timeline would have been Hanson, <laughs> <laughs> Hanson, garage music, uh-huh. Ghostface Killer. 
like okay. that and there would have been all of these little threads between those but like yeah. that was my journey do you know what I mean um sure and so like you know it would have probably started off with like uh Will Smith um okay. because like he's on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and that was a TV show that again probably I don't know how long it ran but like it definitely started probably before I was even born and then like then find out oh he's just like getting jiggy with it and all of that stuff and it's like that's rap that's cool but like yeah. obviously it's very it's very clean rap safe. and then yeah. yeah safe and then I find like things like uh Puff Daddy and you know as he was before at that time uh-huh. yeah and then slowly slowly and then realizing like there is this whole gigantic world of rap music and it all sounds different depending on the region era and or the era, region yeah. yeah like and it's just it was like and then yeah so Ghostface would have been one of those things where I found and I don't know if it would have went Wu-Tang then Ghostface or Ghostface then Wu-Tang but it was definitely one of those things where you you know I heard it and I was like sonically you know there's still nothing that that has kind of just spun me you know the same way it's like knock you for six is just like what am i listening to right now yeah i i feel like the true music fan when they discover wu-tang like will do the thing where they're like okay now i need to hear all of the records affiliated so then you know you're you're (laughs) checking out bobby digital you're getting like the Raekwon records, like all of that sort of stuff. And it's just like, it's yeah. such a, it's just a treasure trove of it's so insane. much brilliant music. It's truly one of the most incredible stories in music. Like what they were, what they managed to do with like creating this group of unknown rappers by and large. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not like it, there's, you know, there's whatever, 11 of them or 10 of them whatever yeah, yeah. In, the, in the group and then each of them has like a different style and they create this album and it's signed to whatever it is like jive or whatever and then they create a deal where each member can go and sign separate record labels and an individual artist at whatever record company they want to sign with. that's unprecedented it's insane and it probably would never happen today like they would get right. you if you got if you're a group we got you as a group and individual members it's just do you know what i mean it's yeah, yeah it, it's especially in the like the rap world you know like they're not letting anything go oh for sure for sure um well i mean also i mean you're a part of this precedent where you know now i feel like this younger generation or newer generation of the artists in these last like 10 years are starting to fully realize you're like oh you don't i don't need you anymore you know like as as a label like it's 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 that thing where you i think for a lot of artists i mean myself included it's like there's you feel like you need this sort of weird safety net or something like Mm -hmm. that but the safety net is all in your mind you know it's like because you can obviously do just as many incredible things on your own and like you know for uh, you know this is me disparaging labels i've worked with too where it's like you know, there's a level where you're, you as the artist are doing 
95 to 99% of the work. And then the label is just like using their social media to repost what you're doing, yeah. you know, where you're like, how much work are you actually doing? like? Yeah. Thanks, I guess, for paying for the record. But like, other than that, you know, like I'm doing all the work, you know, it's not any yeah. different than like, you know, when some cool music blog or brand or whatever it is, does any sort of uh, you know, posting about the artist or whatever, you're just like, you're just driving traffic to that person's website. Like, yeah. like people are so rarely discovering you because of this website. It's like the other way around. So yeah. I don't know all of this to say, uh, obviously the artists are the ones that are doing the heavy lifting at all. Yeah, times. for sure. At all times. But I suppose like, you know, people, certain people need labels for different things. And like, maybe, like, maybe you don't have the cash flow, right? Like, that's really one of the major things, totally. like the cash flows, we need the money to make an album, especially, especially in certain genres of music, like you're not going to be able to make a, like a jazz record in your bedroom, the same way you can make yeah. a rap record in your bedroom. Do you know what I mean? And same for right. certain rock music or whatever it is. It's the entry barriers are, you know, they're different. And so, yeah, cash flow is really the major one, I, th I suppose, isn't it? 1000%. Um, what was the, uh, I put, do you remember the first album that you remember? Were you, grow, did you grow up in an era of downloading or did you grow up in an era where you were buying? I mean, you mentioned the Ghostface CD. So like, do you remember the yeah. first CD that you bought with your own money? I can't remember, but oh, it's, there was yeah. a couple around that time. So like Ghostface, um, Iron Man album, Nas's Illmatic album, um, would have probably been an Eminem album in there. Um, but with my own money, yeah, I feel, I feel like that Ghostface is the, that's the early one that I remember buying with my own money and being Yeah. Like, was there a shop in Ipswich or was this when you were in London? Yeah, there was, so I bought, yeah, I would buy stuff in both, to be fair. But like in Ipswich, I, I bought the Ghostface one in Ipswich at uh, HMV, which is okay. know, like a, whatever, I suppose. The chain. Yeah, chain was like Tower Records, I suppose, maybe. Yeah. Like that sort of thing. But uh, I think they're all probably gone now, to be honest, all those stores. You know I mean? Yeah, sadly, sadly. Yeah. Um, what was the first concert you went to? Would have probably been so the first yeah the first show that I went to that I can actually remember going to was like a free uh I suppose like day festival in a park that was near my estate so they had like all, they had all different like kind of I suppose uh pop acts like would have had like sugar babes or bewitched and like all these kind of older like or like these you know early noughties at late noughties kind of whatever acts and like emma bunton and these oh, wow. kind of in yeah. you know um but i don't remember feeling anything to any of the music there do you yeah. know what i mean like it was just kind of more like we went with me and my friends and we we're just like kind of little uh latchkey kids do you know what I mean that just went and they had like free I think they were giving out like free coca-cola 
I don't know how they funded this because this would be unheard of in this day. It was a free festival that you could just get in, just go. But and then they were giving out free Coca Cola, and so we were just pounding back these things and just like, oh, yeah, it's a kid's dream, just, just sugar buzzing, high, just running like, around, yeah, <laughs> screaming things and that. Do you know what I mean, it was just yeah, it yeah. was just crazy. But that was the first. That was like the first time, and it was just out by ourselves. Yeah, very, very young, and just in a park with a bunch of people listening to kind of like pop music. But yeah, I don't, I don't remember feeling anything. Right, right, right. Well, what about what about the first show? You remember feeling something? First show, I remember feeling something. Would have probably been, it would have been like at a at like a club night, I think. So it would have been like watching. MCs like garage MCs or grime MCs like perform live. In, in, mm. in, do you know what I mean? Like, and kind of doing what we would call a set, which I suppose like in America would call a cipher, where you know everybody does it and then they pass the mic and it's that person's turn. And da, da, da. so that would have been the first time that I felt something. And that would have been like, at a, yeah, like an under 18s probably club night or something like that, where, yeah. There was actually, that's where it was actually, I think. It was maybe watching a local crew in Ipswich called Hectic Squad. And they were a local kind of like grime crew. Uh-huh. And they were famous. Do you know what I mean? Like in that, in, in the town, they were famous because they had, a, they had a song and a video on TV. And that was unheard of. Yeah, Un- unheard of. It was yeah, and and like they were doing shows in London and you know like other places. Like they would go in and doing these kind of garage and grime kind of events and whatever. And the first time that I would have saw them would have been the the first time that I was like, this is like I feel. Like yeah, I I have to be up there. And there was another one, Alliance Crew. Actually, that was a big one. And that actually ties in with the first time I was on stage because the first time I was on stage was the same night that I saw Alliance Crew. And that was again in Ipswich at one of these club nights. And it was watching them and just thinking like, whoa, like they had the cool tracksuits and the cool trainers and they were all wearing white, like white tracksuits and white caps and white trainers and like looked like a million pounds. And I was just like, that is, I want to be like that. Yeah. You know? Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, did you, this is, this might be a silly question because this might be very obvious to, to, to fans of you, but do you, when it comes to writing the music for, for Bob Villain, are you playing guitar and all that sort of stuff? Like who's, who's doing those? Cause I was going to ask what your first instrument was. So I didn't know yeah. if you were making all those tracks as well. Yeah, so I'm making okay. so everything. So like okay. from the guitar, the bass, um, okay. like all the production sort of thing, and then even like the mixing. Like I've I've been doing it like all up into like the the stuff that I'm working on now. I've been playing everything myself, but I've got somebody else that's helping with mixing and some additional production and stuff. But yeah, everything okay. that's out, yeah, I've been playing it. Okay, so then what was your first instrument? It was the guitar. That was okay. the guitar, yeah. So, like, I, I got the guitar when I was 
a kid again I don't really remember how old I was but I was a kid and I got one for Christmas um thinking it was gonna be easier than it actually was <laughs> was it uh, electric it was electric it was yeah. but it was like it weren't no fender or nothing it was like out the catalog oh yeah whatever do you know what I mean yeah, yeah yeah um and I think I had like two lessons I never practiced at home and then a girl made a remark about it and I just dropped it you know because I was at that I was at that age where it's like oh it's not a cool thing and like you know girls were like the most important thing ever at that age was it like like, oh you play guitar like kind of a thing it was like that yeah it was that oh no and 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 you gotta think like this is when like I'm saying grime music and garage music and like it was cool that was the coolest thing and that was all that anybody I knew was interested in like they were interested in grime garage rap music but playing the guitar was like especially for me because like whatever I'm black come from a certain area whatever and it's like it was a weird thing I suppose and so I I think I told the girl oh yeah I had I've been at a guitar lesson and it was like oh I didn't know you did that or so it was like it was a thing that made me think ah maybe that's not for me to do you know and then up when I started university much later in life I met a friend who looked like me black guy locks and he was playing guitar and I was like whoa where did you uh like how did where did you learn how to do that it's like I taught myself what how do you teach yourself to do that dude it's like just watch youtube videos dude you have it's like and then he went on youtube he showed me this dude marty schwartz and and from then i was just like yeah this is what i'm doing you know you know we had like a group project and my friend was like just play this note and this note and this note you go here here here. and then i still had that same old guitar it was sat at my mum's house it was just you know gathering Collecting dust. dust yeah um and then so like you know I took it from there, took it to London where I was at at the time. And then I just sat and I just practiced just all day, just all, like all day, just practiced yeah. until I could play something, you know? Um, and that was how I learned to play the guitar and then picked up the bass and was like, oh, I could probably transfer these skills to that. And, you know, but before that, I was always like producing on a laptop with you know different like software whether it's like fruity loops or reason or you know logic Ableton. yeah and like i was always i was always doing that before you know i learned to play i became kind of proficient in the guitar i was always making beats i suppose fair and did you did you ever like once you were learning how to play those instruments did like did you start a band or anything like that like did you have a first band or because i know you i know you did uh you had a hip-hop thing before yeah. Bob Dylan but like yeah did you ever do any like yeah full band stuff nah Bob Dylan is the first band that I've ever oh, <laughs> I've sick. ever made so yeah. like I wanted so badly to create a band and I met with one person and they just wasted my time oh, um, yeah. and so I was like okay I'm gonna just do this myself then I suppose Hey there, do you need to get some merch printed? 
My incredible sponsors over at Anchorfish Printing has a great deal going on right now. You can get 100 soft style shirts for only 499 bucks. Do the math. That's a great deal. For details, email michael at anchorfishprinting.com. You can also visit anchorfishprinting.com and see what else they have to offer. They are a one-stop shop for all your merch needs. And don't forget to mention the first ever podcast when you place your order. I was like making these beats, but I didn't have any vocals to them. And I was gonna work on, like I was gonna make the beats and have somebody else do the vocals. Cause I was like, I don't know how to like, I don't know how to go over this stuff. It's like, you know, I've never done that. Everything I've come from is like rap and quite smooth and, you know. Um, but then uh, again, I couldn't really find somebody to do that with. So I just started doing it myself. I wrote these lyrics and put it over and then, um, and then that kind of just sat there for a long time uh, when I lived in Spain and then I came back and then me and Bob connected and we just started you like he started playing drums on it because he had been playing drums before and he wanted to get back into it and I wanted yeah. to make a band so I was like all right cool but I didn't want to play guitar on stage um because I didn't want to be tied down because I knew like I'm a better performer or showman yeah. Then I am a guitarist. <clears throat> sure. And, you know, so I was like, all right, we're going to figure out a way to do this. And then I figured out a way that we could do it live. Have you ever had, have you, have you ever tried a, like an iteration of the band where you had someone playing guitar on stage with you? Not really. Nah. So like we, we did like, we've done special guest things where like somebody's came out and played a song that we've collaborated with that person. And like, they come out and play their guitar part. Okay. And Bob's on drums and then I'm doing vocals. But we've never like tried to get in and like let's do a full band rehearsal or try and get that, you know? I yeah. think it, it might be cool, but it's kind of like not what the band is, if you know what I mean. Like the band totally. is that that m merging of rap and punk. And I feel like the setup is that we have is like a great you know kind of meeting of those two things with a live drummer but also kind of like a dj aspect to it totally yeah, yeah. that make that makes that makes all the sense yeah i was almost just yeah. curious like when the band was still sort of figuring out um you know maybe live performing or something like that if no if, but yeah lil bob ahead. did say like at our first gig that we ever done which i still have like video footage of it and he was like, I think we should add somebody else into the band. Yeah. And I was like, nah, 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 <laughs> nah, 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 We're not doing that. I was like, just, just trust me. Because yeah. I knew, I knew the two of us, we could make anything work. Like we could, we could travel the world easy. We can, we can, um, create rehearsals easy we can create music it's easy because there's just two of us but i knew the second we start adding more people like i'd take it like even before it was the band was at the band i took it so so serious that it was like my full-time job and i knew 
it is going to be hard to find somebody, whether they play bass, guitar, whatever, that is going to take it as serious as I take it. And that's what I was, that's I knew, like, especially that early, I knew I would never find somebody else that would take it that serious. Yeah. Um, and so I was just like, I don't want to bring somebody in and have to arrange like, oh, but we really need to, perf- we need really need to rehearse and oh, but we have this performance and oh, but I can't do it that day because X, Y, and Z. I just thought, nah, man, I- yeah, I'm taking yeah, it seriously, yeah. taking it seriously. Like, we're just going to do this ourselves. That's beautiful. I love that. I love that. Um, you know, I, the next question I was going to ask is like the first show you played, you mentioned um, the, the performance where you saw the Alliance crew play. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, in just like research, I saw a thing saying that like you were uh, like a super slam poetry person mm-hmm. in like the early, is that, so when you first started writing and rapping and stuff and stuff like that, was it just like a straight hip hop sort of thing? Was it with, was it uh, more poetry based where like maybe there's no music behind you? Like what was, what was It this? was like a mix really of, of like, it was a mix. So I started off writing, I suppose like garage music lyrics sort of thing. Um, and then that progressed into more like grime music. Mm-hmm. But then the things that you would talk about in those genres of music wasn't like the only side of me so I wanted to talk about other things that I felt like I couldn't express in that in those genres of music and Mm. so that's then where the poetry side of it came into because I thought oh I can dive into more I suppose like social topics because even from like a child I was into that like the you know just the questions of like why do why we live in the way that we're living. Like, why am I seeing the things that I'm seeing? But in grime music and garage music, it doesn't really offer the, it, at that time, especially, it didn't offer the, the 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 space to do that. And so I was kind of doing them side by side, essentially. And were you, just just so I know, um, when it comes to the, the poetry side, was it strictly performing or were you also like writing in the sense of like releasing something like in like a, like a more literature sort of. Um, yeah, no, it was medium. just performing. Just it performing. Was just, okay. Yeah. So it was just like, I was writing it to just perform it. Um, yeah. I was never like thinking, Oh, I'll, you know, I'll have Put it published a or, or something. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No. Okay. Okay. Who were, who got you into wanting to do that stuff? Like, was there ever, cause uh, I always enjoyed, I mean, when I was younger, like all like the deaf comedy jam or deaf poetry jam, uh, slam yeah, yeah. Type stuff, you know, like that type of stuff. Like did, did yeah. that stuff come into your life at all? Um, It did. Yeah, it did. But I, th- I think like it came in to my life, but I was already doing that stuff. I think when, yeah. when I saw that, but okay. um, that was cool because like you would see rappers on there that yeah. were doing, some of them were doing the same thing that I was talking about where like, you know, they're, they're written something they've written something specific for that poetry show and then others were doing things where they were taking lyrics from their songs and doing them a cappella and doing them in a different way maybe more of a spoken word I suppose kind of manner um and you were seeing like oh that's interesting how it sounds this way on the record and then you do it in this crowd in this environment and it sounds different you know but that stuff definitely came into my life but for me it was, yeah, it was more just about kind of 
expressing myself and performing it the same way that I would perform those grime or garage lyrics. Do you know what I mean? Like it was just, yeah. Yeah. Creative outlet. And your first time, have you always done recordings like at home or did you ever go to a different, did you ever go to a studio and record? Cause I saw you, you had, you put out a, a record um under knee high called like houston we have an lp and that was i saw like a credit on there for someone named like danny c like aim yeah. studios or something like that was that like your first time outside of doing something in your home yeah yeah so that was like the first time that was a kind of a crazy it's an interesting time period i haven't and it's not really one that i think about much because i was i was the studio time was expensive. Totally. And yeah. I was living a certain way and I had to pay for that studio time. And it's not, you know what I mean? Like it's kind of, um, I'm glad I'm past that, that period in my life now. Do you get me? But yeah. yeah. So that was the first time I went to the studio because I finally had enough money to get to the studio, you know? And, it was a studio in London. He had it, he had it in South London. And um, we found it because a friend that I was, that a friend that I had, he again was into grime music and stuff. And he was like, I know this artist, this artist, this artist, this artist, they all record in this place. Like this is the place to be. So he yeah. was like, he found the email address for Danny and was like, yo, my friend is an artist. Like, we want to come up there and record da, 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 da. And so we drove up there and saw the studio and saw like the wall and it had like all the CDs that he had, you know, produced and stuff. And it was like, yeah, this is, this is legit. And so I started getting beats from friends and stuff like that. And then going up there and um, recording in, in a studio, you know, and, and paying for it because I was like, yeah, I've got the means by which to do that now. And it was one of the best things it's funny how things go, man. Like it's a trip that you're asking me about is because I haven't really thought about this for a long time, but it's funny how things go because when I was there, I was watching everything that he was doing. And then I remember asking like, yo, can I get like the studio files or whatever so I can open them up on my laptop at home. And I downloaded the software he was using and everything. And I opened them up and I would just kind of reverse engineer everything and just study it. Like, okay, he's put like a compressor on this. What does a compressor do? Because even though I was making music at home and recording at home, I didn't know anything about mixing. I thought mm. you have a beat and you have a vocal and that was it. I don't know about compression, limiting, right. EQ, any of that stuff. I don't yeah, know yeah, yeah. about that. So when I saw that, I was like, okay, what does this do? What does this do? What does this do? And I started teaching myself how to mix the things that, you know, that I would later go on to record. Right. Oh, that's awesome. That's and that's a very clever way to do it for sure. Um, how did it feel for you being in the studio that first time, like in the vocal booth about to start? Like, were you nervous? Were you excited? Like, what do you remember about those first few takes? I think I was just like, I don't think I was nervous because because I had there was nothing to be like nervous about or gently you know I mean? because I feel like nerves, like when you get nervous, it's, it's, 
it kind of the root of it is a fear in something you know totally like there's a fear of something am i going to be able to perform or whatever it is so yeah but i weren't scared of being in the studio because i had one i had recorded countless times at my house so i knew what i was doing in that sense do you know what i mean um like i just had to go in there and record but also at that time in my life i was in like you could there was been nothing that would have made me nervous or scared like i was especially going into a studio i was you know like i was in situations at that time in my life where there were truly truly things to be nervous and and terrified of and I learned to keep my composure through those instances. And so getting on stage, going to studios, working with people that were like, it's a big thing. I just never felt it, you know? And yeah, I think it comes from one kind of doing that stuff so much in, in my home. And then also just not really being allowed to be fearful or nervous of anything because of the environment that I was in. Fair enough. Fair enough. As as bad as that may be, I suppose, but it was beneficial at the time, I suppose. Right. Yeah. Silver lining, I suppose. Yeah. 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 You got to kind of look at a cup half full. Yeah. For sure. For sure. What was uh? So then, you know, was there a certain moment that made you want to wrap that project up, and then, because there, there's, you know, there's a gap there in time between, hmm. uh, at least the release of that the knee high record versus obviously when Bob villain yeah. starts, like what's happening in between there. Are you making the music for Bob villain? Like what, what's, nah. what's your life? Like what's the musical life? Like uh, the musical life is kind of like, I wouldn't say it was non-existent, but I, you know, like I spent a, a lot of money do like making like you know like making like going in and recording and stuff and like you know doing trips up and down to London to Ipswich Ipswich to London and like I was just I suppose like I recorded it and I was happy with it and I put it you know gave it out whatever's a free mixtape and thing like we went up and down the country essentially giving out these mixtapes CDs to people for free when yeah. everybody else was out selling them. You know, like people would be on the road and, oh, buy my mixtape for £5, yeah, £10, yeah, yeah. whatever. But I was able, I was, you know, in a position where I could give it out for free and then go press more up and then go that and give them out for free because I was just like, I just want to be heard. But between that and Bob Villain stuff, it's like, it was just life. Do you know what I mean? Like things were happening and music just, it was always like important to me and I was always writing but there was just so many other things going on that I guess I just wasn't able to give it the time that it needed for me to see any kind of growth or results from it, you know, because like life just had other things in store for me. Mm. So, mm. yeah, but then when I did get time to breathe and process everything that had happened and been going on, the last however many years I was able to create, you know, the band and really, you know, like not just talk about the things that I was going through 
and the places that I come from, but also explore why I was going through them and why do I come from this place and why is it that my peers and my friends are going through these issues and these troubles? Like, why is that happening? And I had a new take and a new perspective on, on like my environment, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm sure once you get comfortable and find your rhythm in writing about those things too. Like there's such a therapeutic aspect to that, um, that I have to assume was helping in at least some respect with dealing with those things. Yeah. Especially like it was therapeutic, especially because I started really taking the, the, the bands, like the project, cause it wasn't a band at the moment, but I was just writing and creating this stuff, but I started taking it serious once a friend of mine passed away and I was living in 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 Spain at the time and I came back to England and just you know for the first month I think I just sat indoors and just cried you know Mm -hmm. what I mean um but then I was like I have to pick myself I have to do something and then I went to a show and I met a friend and that friend kind of helped hook all this stuff up and it was like just started to click and I was like this is what I'm supposed to be doing and my friend that passed away was like he would he earlier on like the early stuff he was helping me get shows he was helping me you know whatever get a little radio interview or they oh they're gonna play your song on on the local station or whatever he was helping me with that stuff so when he passed away I felt like I owe it to him to to do this and to take it seriously and kind of I suppose like give it another another go because at that time I was just yeah I was kind of like lost I suppose do you know what I mean and then when he passed away it was just like bro what am I doing with my life like I'm not supposed to just be sat here I'm supposed to be moving and he wouldn't want me to be sat here he would want me to be moving and doing something that I'm that I love and that, you know, I kind of like I've always wanted to do. And so that helped put things in perspective. Yeah. And not to, you know, how do I want to say it? Like what a, you know, I, it feels almost crass to say what a gift, because obviously there's nothing you'd want more than to have that friend still in your life. Yeah, but yeah. like the gift of having that type of a thing as a guiding light to yeah. inspire you and like, know that, you know, like that those sorts of things are like, so so important and powerful uh for someone who takes music so seriously you know um so and and, and what an amazing way to honor your friend too yeah absolutely like and that's the thing it's obviously it's bittersweet because like uh bro i'm telling you if he could see if he (laughs) could see like the awards on on the shelf if he could see like the album like if he could see as a physical record and then it's like he could see some of the shows that i play and if he could see this, he would just be like, he would be so proud. He'd be so proud. And just like, but the reason why, like that I'm, I'm doing this, there is awards and I'm I'm doing these shows is because he passed away essentially. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe had he not, I maybe would have taken a different road that would have ended up here. But I, I don't know that. But what I do know is that his passing was motivation for me and so 
it lit the fire under me and it was just like that fire just has never stopped burning because I just feel like I'm just I'm here and I'm just I'm gonna just kill it in every single way that I possibly can do you know what I mean and it's kind of you know it started out in his name almost you know it's like a project in his name in in that sense of like I'm doing it because I know he would want me to continue doing this thing that's beautiful yeah I mean once grief I mean grief obviously goes through so many patterns and so many fun phases yeah yeah, for everybody but like yeah I mean once you get to the point where grief can become a motivator that's there's very few motivators more powerful than that oh yeah absolutely because it's a yeah yeah, it's like it's a way to honor it's a way to um distract yeah it's a way to all i mean all of these different things and it's cathartic as well cathartic as fuck yeah like you just you're doing this stuff and and especially this sort of music like you're screaming on stage (laughs) "Ah!" and it's and it's okay no one looking at you like oh that's weird do you know what i mean because it's like it's in the genre it's in the it's it's so it's what we do so yeah it was yeah it was it's beautiful man like obviously his loss is 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 hard and i think about him because i think about his family i think about his son and his daughter and do you know what i mean and um you know when i talk to his son it's you know it's obviously it's like he looks like him do you get me yeah so but um but i gotta do this yeah i gotta do this for him beautiful that's 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 really beautiful so what was what was the first year of bob villain like like were you spending all of the time like making like i guess what i'm asking is did the first ep come out before you started playing shows like how like what came first were you writing the music for a while and then you started playing were you playing right out the gate like what was it like yeah yeah, so i had yeah so i had these songs because during that time of kind of like sitting indoors and just, you know, I was, man, I was, I was broken. Obviously my friend just passed away. I come home and I was just sat indoors crying. I'm sat indoors just like, I'm drinking, I'm using, like I'm not living healthy. Do you know what I mean? And, but in between those, I'm also creating music as a outlet. Do you know what I mean? And, um, and then, I have these songs so I kind of amassed these songs and then when I came out the other side of that grief I realized like I have all this music and I want to play it I want people to hear it um but more like I want to I want to get I want to perform it to people and so that's then where like um Lil Bob came into it and I was like I have a show booked in two weeks and you need to learn these songs you know what I mean? like, like like we kind of sat we we got together and I was like I got a show booked in two weeks here's all the songs that we're going to perform like let's go into the into the um you know like a rehearsal space and like let's let's figure out how we do this um and we did and that's what i'm saying like he took it serious at that time like i took it serious even though he's like this motherfucker's booked a show we we ain't even had one rehearsal we had one rehearsal he ain't really heard any of he's not heard any of the music like yeah nothing and so uh, but he was just like all right cool like he didn't question it 
you know and yeah, so i was like just right into the fire where was yeah, the like, first where was the first show it was in east london it was in a um a little pub called uh the beehive which if you watch the we live here video the pub that i'm stood outside of and the pub that we're playing like um snooker in it's that pub so that was the first place that we that we performed and again it was like a small little uh multi-venue day festival and okay. um i emailed the the promoter and whatever and was like yo can can we perform and he was like yeah but i can't pay you but if you sell tickets you can whatever you get a percentage of the tickets and i i didn't even care to sell tickets i was like i i ain't selling tickets do you know what i mean I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just want to go there and perform i just want to get on stage and and just do this and we did it and there was maybe in really there was maybe between five to eight people there sure and two of them would have been or three of them would have been in the next band do you know what i mean and yeah, one of them yeah, would have yeah. been the sound engineer so yep. there was no one there yeah but have you I, have you gone back and played there since we have yeah we have we have we and had a, li- a, a little while ago and that was yeah it was yeah it was, uh-huh. it was yeah it's sick but it's such a small place uh-huh you know it's maybe maybe 60 80 cap in that like the max you know yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But when I watched the video back of that first performance, because I was, I knew at that time, I was like, I have to film this. Like I know, you know, like I kind of knew what, what I was doing. I I have to film this. So I filmed it. And when I watch it back, it's rough around the edges, but all the makings are there. Like I look at it and I think that show is the same as our show now it's just our show now is just more refined and like I know what I'm doing and we're playing we're obviously much tighter we're playing much better but even the natural then, elements yeah it there's... was just like yeah it was just there you know oh that's awesome yeah. <laughs> I had to ask if you went back and played there because <laughs> there's something so goddamn gratifying about knowing that you know what I'm saying? like there was a there's a venue in in Florida that my band before Touche we did one full us we shouldn't have toured we were just a band we just like we're a myspace band we're terrible and anyway uh we played this venue to the sound guy the bartender and then two drunk college kids who walked in off the street watched one song and left so they enjoyed it yeah it was <laughs> terrible and i can you know like i'll never forget how that felt and then years later uh touche goes to play the fest in gainesville and we're in this venue and we're setting up and it dawns on me that it's the room that this happened in. Like, I didn't realize it going into the show, like that this yeah. was the same place that this had happened at. So I'm like about to get on stage and I'm realizing it's this room by like standing on the stage and it all floods back and the room is now like sold out, packed or whatever. And it was just such a fucking great feeling to be like, okay, yeah. things have changed for me. <laughs> like, this is cool. Yeah, that, right, exactly. Because because it's you kind of have to be a little bit crazy to to think that you can do this like yeah. and to throw yourself into it, right? It's like you have to um you have to kind of uh, disobey common sense. Totally. You know? Yes. Like and I was uh, I was listening to um Eric from like uh, this philosopher, Eric from talk about this of like, 
disobeying common sense. And I've, it kind of dawned on me that everybody that is doing this has yeah. done that. Like they've all, like I was thinking, oh, my whole life I've been kind of disobeying common sense because common sense would tell you, you're never going to be able to do this. You're never, you know, like what's the chances of you being able to play a sold out show or win an award or sell an album or whatever it is. And it's like everybody in this, in this industry, but every artist, every performer will have had at some point, somebody say, yeah, you sure? Like, I don't know if it's for you or whatever. There would have been something where it would have made more sense to just stop you know you get a knock back and you get you play a, sh- a show to five people it would have been easier to just quit but you don't you just keep going and I don't know why but it's just like kind of something in you that just says you have to do it you know that's our wonderful artistic mental illness <laughs> yeah, but that's it that's it it yeah. kind of is right it's like it's kind of crazy yeah yeah, yeah this crazy idea that like no 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 yeah this is what I'm supposed to do. You know? I'll never, like, I mean, yo, I'll never bonkers. forget when that, when that band I was talking about had broken up and then like, you know, within a few months I was starting, I started to share with my friends and I was about to go on our first West coast tour. Like my family giving me like the, you're still doing this. Like, this is something you still really want to do. And, Cause I mean, I was that, I started to at 25. Right. You know? And like, so we went on our first tour, like I'm like 26 and we're playing, you know, like basements and whatever yeah. else. And it's just like, is this, this isn't a good look, you know, like, and, That's but I was, thing. but I was like, I don't give a fuck. Like, this is all I, this is all I know how to do. It's all I'd like to do. You That's know, what you, exactly. It's what you want to do. And it's like, and the world is a better place for you doing it because bro, your music is, I can't, I, again, like I ain't going to get Stan, That's- but the 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 music that you make is helped me in in and I know like other people as well do you know what I mean like it's helped them and I see the same thing when I talk to people and they say oh man your music helped me during lockdown or I was going through a hard time and I'm thinking that's odd because I like I'm not making you don't making that with that in mind do you know what I mean totally but you yeah. just realize like it's important for like if you feel that burning desire inside yourself to kind of create you you owe it to yourself but you owe it to kind of like you know the world to just create because it's no good just bottled up inside you have you found the that the more specific you are lyrically like when you're writing lyrics do you find yourself ever thinking Oh, I don't know that anyone's going to relate to this because it's so hyper specific to this one specific thing. And then you realize over time that that's what people connect with the most. Yeah, to a certain extent, like the biggest trip for me was releasing the single We Live Here, which yeah. is talking about like the first time that I was called a nigger when I was a child and having like all of these kind of older middle-aged white punks be like yo that song is fantastic and da, 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 and it reminds me of punk when i was a kid and and it was just like what the heck but this is like <laughs> i'm talking about my experience with racism and like this right. kind of this thing that they would have not had any 
like they wouldn't have been on the receiving side of do you know what I mean that right. so it's like but it connected and I was like that's the oddest thing and then yeah there's certain things that I talk about obviously about like you know it's like with it like past jobs that I've had let's say um yeah. where you know like and I'm thinking well this is specific to me because I know when I was doing those things of what was happening and da-da-da. but people find something in it do you know what I mean like it it doesn't have to uh apply to their life specifically because that's not what we do with art do you know what I mean with yeah. art we see it and we take our own meaning from it that's you know like what that what is on that canvas is not necessarily like what I'm taking from it is not necessarily what the person that painted it was trying to convey or what they were using it for so it's, absolutely it's kind what of a uh thing. yeah what was the first tour you ever did first tour I ever did would have been uh yeah as knee height it would have been that and it was again it was like doing kind of like these under 18 events and it was my friend jay that passed away driving me up and down the country and every weekend we would do these events you know like friday saturday we go friday we're over there in oxford saturday we're doing this one in wherever milton Keynes, and then the next week we go and do similar thing and it was that would have been like the first tour that i did yeah um and yeah it was a trip you know because i was like going out there and performing music and um do you enjoy tour now yeah i enjoy it way more now that it's an actual tour because what i was doing before was just like little you know you do two days and then you go and like no one knows yeah. who i was but it was just like your entertainment or whatever for these club nights so um but now, yeah, I I love touring. I mean, it's tricky because I'm away from family and um, I love being with my family. I love being at home. Like, you know, it's, uh, it's you know, so you're, you're, you're safe place, you know, uh, with people that love you and know who you are. But um, going to see the world, do you know what I mean? Like I was writing my friend, a letter the other day and he's incarcerated at the moment um and has been for the last three years or so and has mm. probably another two more to go but i was telling him like i've seen places that i never would have thought i'd see and i have so many like i've got friends that have never left Ipswich, really. I've got friends that, do you know what I mean? Like, they, like, he, he's locked up. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've got friends that, they, they, they haven't seen the world and I don't know if they ever would see the world. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if they would ever go to Italy or to France or to Belgium. And these are places that are not even that far away, Re- really do you know what I mean it's not we're, we're talk, not talking about going to Australia or New Zealand or even America these are places where you get a 30 pound flight and you can fly do you yeah, know what I mean right but I don't know if they will and they haven't so for me touring is like I love performing on stage but 
I love seeing different cultures and different places and as brief as it is, because you know, you never really kind of get to experience it yeah. in full. But when we do these festivals, like we kind of make an effort to, okay, we're doing, we got, we're doing this one festival in whatever, Italy, but we've got a day before and a day or two days after we're going to stay extra time. Who cares if we spend a little bit of money and the, some of the guarantee goes on there. We're going to sit and we're going to sit in Italy and we're going to go and see the Tower of Pisa and we're going to eat ice cream and we're going to... And that's what we... like. That's literally what we did when we went to Italy. We sat at a cafe eating sorbet and it was probably like the fifth sorbet of the day. <laughs> and, like, really. And, and sat looking at the leaning tower of pisa and i was just like that's beautiful when i don't know i wouldn't i know myself and i would have never done that how i can relate for touring i I can relate so much absolutely so so it's a beautiful thing yeah i come from a family that couldn't afford vacations didn't go on vacations had a single mom uh situation you know like and so getting to be you know get it like the boat i mean both of us like we're yelling into microphones but we're getting to go to italy to do it you know it's like what a gift what an absolute gift honestly it's just yeah it's the most beautiful thing and then like you know you look around and like i'm with people that i want to like i'm with friends do you know what i mean like like little bob we haven't we've grown together do you know what i mean like the person that he met and the person i met when when you know before it's like we've grown together in this and we've got new people on board and we how how lucky we are because i i know for myself personally i could very easily have not been here and so every single instance every single moment like that i take it in like and i think i maybe annoy certain you know, people at sometimes because I'm like, just take a moment. Like, look at how beautiful this is. We're here. And we're doing... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But it's because I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to. I can't take. Don't it take for it for granted. granted. I can't. Yeah. I'll never. Yeah. Never. That's that's awesome. I wanted to uh, to ask you a little bit about self releasing because uh, the label you you do is called Ghost Theater, right? Yeah. What where did that name come from? And like, what's the yeah? What's the what's the story there? I think. Us, the name just came from writing things down, like just, oh, it sounds cool. Like, yeah, you know, sure. I don't know, like the same way that like maybe you just think of a lyric, it just pops in your head. It's like, yeah, sometimes you know, it could just be that simple. Yeah, exactly. So I've got like lists written of yeah. song titles for songs that don't exist, album titles for albums that don't exist. Yeah record labels that don't exist just like that's a cool sound so i just wrote it was just one of the ones that i wrote down and i was like going through i was like that's gonna be the one i suppose like that's gonna be the one yeah it's so funny how how funny is when you just like randomly go through your notes app and you're just like what the fuck does that mean you know what i'm saying like all the time i have i have things like i was just scrolling through the other day and i have a note that just says matinee idol and i was like (laughs) I think I just heard someone say that, and and I was like, "That's a that's kind of a cool thing." But now I read it back, and I was like, "What what am I supposed to do with that? That makes no sense." But uh, but it's cool to have those things because I find myself going back, 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 and seeing like the the note might be dated 
2018, 2016, do you know what I mean? And yeah. then, and at the time, it wasn't ready to be fleshed out. But yeah. now, it's it's the time for it to be, okay, to, to develop this idea. Like, how do I build um, off this now? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know? So um, it's cool. But that's how the name came about. It's just kind of named cool. a hat almost. So from what I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but like most of the stuff that you've done with the self-releasing has been digital or maybe CDs or something. But um, when it comes to physical, I saw Ven did the vinyl for We Live Here, right? Is that the, was that the first time that you ever had a record on vinyl? Yeah, 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 for sure. So um, when we did that, like Lags from Gallows, who runs Ven, he got in contact after hearing... Um, an earlier project that we put out called Dread and um we had that on cassette tape and nobody bought it but when we went we did a show in Germany and all these people and like that was like the only merch that we had and so they all sold there but I had them online for ages and nobody bought them it was yeah. a cassette tape of a band yeah, that right. nobody knows yeah, so, yeah, yeah um but then he got in contact and was like, okay, maybe we could re-release Dread on vinyl. And that was the plan initially. But then I was like, I don't know if I want to do that. Let's just, I've got new, I've got a new, like another album that I'm working on. So let, let's just do that maybe. And we were looking for like a record label because, um, you know, I had kind of like big dreams, you know? So I was like, we're looking for a record label that could, release it in a in a uh bigger capacity than Ven was capable of doing uh but you know the content of the music and what the band looks like etc etc I think went against getting it out on a bigger label with a budget and stuff like that and so we kind of got knocked back a few times um and so Lags he was like cool like you know, let's just do it on Ven. And I was like, all right, bet. And we went kind of figured that out and put that out. And that was the first, yeah, like the first pressings of that was all done through through Ven and um, put them up on Bandcamp. And they just, you know, they just flew out. And I was remember telling him like, yo, these are going to sell out, man. Trust me, trust me, they're going to sell yeah. out. And then he was like, yeah okay all right yeah like, we'll, see. Know, we'll see yeah yeah and then it was like a couple of hours i was like i told you i told you i told you i told you it's gonna sell out da, da, da. Yeah. and then we did more you know different co uh, colors and stuff yeah. like that and, um and yeah so he was really helpful with the with that but then um the next album the price of life we pressed that up like i pressed that up myself like okay I, um you know bankrolled that and talk to the guy that I'd found to press up we live here because the whole thing with we live here we had a test press come back from like Czech Republic or something and it mm -hmm. didn't sound good um oh, and bless you for checking the test press so yeah. few people do that bless you yeah like you see how like your wall I've got it's not as big but I've got a wall just like that right there with I'm a fan of vinyl. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Okay. So, yeah. for, I'm I'm checking the test press. Yeah. So you know what I mean? I'm checking yeah. the test press, especially my what my own album. I'm checking the test press. So it yeah. came back, and I was like, Nah, this ain't hitting. 
And I know a lot of people press in like Czech Republic and Poland and stuff like that. But I was like, there must be somewhere here where I can talk directly to the person that's going to press it almost. And so I managed to find somebody that was pressing in London. And I was like, lags, it's a little more expensive, but let's use this place. And so we used that place. And then so when it came time to do the price of life, uh, I already had a relationship with this person. And um, kind of once uh, Ven did the initial run, I was then like, I took over the the pressing of we live here. So I was then like bankrolling the pressing of we live here um, directly with this person. So um, my credit was good. So I was like, I need a bigger order now because it's a new album. And, right. and he was like, cool. It's like, pay me once, like pay me on delivery, essentially. Got it. And I was like, okay, cool. Fuck yeah. And so we, you know, put the pre-order up and stuff like that. And then I was able to pay him before the delivery you know so that, all of this is like a learning curve you know trying to figure out where to press how to press all the best ways to do it and kind of rolling the dice on ourselves because obviously yeah vinyl is not it's cheap all, to press no it. it's not it's a learning experience in all regard uh just out of my own curiosity as someone who obviously between touche and then also doing my own label too like what was the issue with the test press was it like popping making sounds was it like was like just, the audio levels going up and down? Like what yeah, was it? It, so the audio level was like it. It just it felt like it just didn't have any body to it. Do you know what I mean totally. like it didn't have yeah. any like weight like, to it? Yeah, exactly. And so I was like, oh, nah, no, like there's got to be something. So then I found like a master and engineer over here that cuts to what they call it, cut to like the lacquer. Like, exactly yeah. so yeah. like yeah so he would cut or oh, the stamper he would oh. cut like the, the the lather thing or whatever that yeah. they use to then make the stamper so i got him to cut it and then send it to the pressing plant which is in london so it was just couriering it over and then when i got that test press back i was like this is like yeah. now it's hitting like it's full bodied you know and i was like it delayed the process but made but it worth it. it. I, yeah, definitely. it was like, I can't have, uh, you know, it's the first album that we're going to yeah. have pressed up. I was like, I need it to make, I need to make sure that it sounds, like, I want to listen to it more than anybody. Yeah. You know, I don't, yeah. I want to enjoy it, you know? I, I know this is just our, uh, this is our first time ever really hanging out or, or anything ever, but you're, you're, you, you and me, we're the, <laughs> you're my people. Kindred, kindred spirits. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, man, for sure. Love it. I love it. Um, also, just really, I noticed, uh, or you know, when with revisiting all this stuff that uh, Jason from uh, Fever Let Live uh, sang on that record too. He's an yeah. old friend, an old right, okay. friend. I've known him for a real long time. So I was curious how you two, how you two met. So we met. Um, I think it was when we were doing We Live Here, and and Lags was like, "Oh, you don't have any features on the album or whatever," and I was like, "Nah," because. You know, creating in the bedroom is very insular and totally, you know, it's just is what it is. And so it's like, if you had a dream list of people to collab with, like, who would it be? Like, put together a list and send it to me. And I put together a list and like, he was like, Jason, I can get hold of Jason. So he got a friend of his to introduce us um, and we were pretty lucky because I think she was like a fan of the band. Like she, she, 
she liked the band and she just connected us and um and me and Jason were talking and like we had you know certain uh things that we just kind of connected on and I sent him the track and he just recorded it and sent it back and then I was like oh, cool did a mix kind of did my bits on it sent it back to him and we kind of built it back and forth so it wasn't just like I send like it a, to him he, he does a verse and yeah it was like back and forth for a little bit and it was like cool it's done because I had my vocals on then he recorded his and I was like all right I'm gonna re-record mine and make him kind of like match his energy because he was hearing it different to how I was hearing it mm. so I was like and then we bounce it back and forth so that was kind of how we met and then we met in person when we were over there just last year and he came to the show that we did in in uh LA and and we just yeah kind of um, got to hang yeah yeah where we just met yeah very briefly in person then but um yeah like yeah he's he's man like he didn't have to do that you know what sure. I mean because like he didn't know who we were and no one yeah. cared you know what I mean so it was cool it's funny there's like an underrated um feeling in magic though when you get sent a track the first time you put it on like you know whether it's the right one or the wrong one yeah. but just like hearing it just be like damn like this is happening right now like that's like those those situations yeah. it's like one thing to be cool it's cool to do it in person in the in a room when you're all together and you're collabing and like that's all cool and i love that yeah. too but like getting sent the track is an underrated sort of excitement you know yeah because you don't know what's in there exactly it's like yeah. it's like opening a christmas present, or birthday present. I mean, it's like you just gonna press play and you just don't know you just, you just don't, don't know yeah 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 oh i love that i love that um well i mean like, i feel like we could go all day i'm just gonna hit you with the last question which is when was the first time you felt like you were doing the thing you've been working so hard towards um when we went and did um we did a tour in america supporting an artist called nascar allo is a kind of young rapper kind of like a punk rapper out there um and uh it was at the end of the tour and we were staying at uh, my cousin-in-law's uh, place in new york and it was like on a it was in like a high rise building and we were, it was like, we were upstairs in this room where there was like a pool table and we were overlooking New York city. It was like a, it was like a sex in the city moment where I felt like Carrie Bradshaw. Yeah. I was like, we were overlooking the city. And I just remember just looking at Lil Bob and just being like, bro, like, look, just look. like I was doing what I was talking about that I do earlier. Yeah. I was doing the exact same. I was saying, but just like look, like look at look at what we're doing. Like we have just played however many shows throughout America. We're here in this place, looking at New York City, the place of dreams. Right. Do you know what I mean? As it's yeah. sold to us, do you know what I mean? As it's yeah. as it's exported to us, playing snooker or pool, whatever. Like look at this, you yeah. know. But it was like, we both had to go back, because uh, this was 2019. So we both had to go back home and go back to work. But I knew it's a matter of time before 
we don't, he, you know, he hasn't got to be at the bar anymore pulling pints, and I don't have to be sat in an office anymore or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Right. Because in that moment, I felt it like this is what we're supposed to be doing. You know, like this is this is what we're supposed to be doing, and that was the moment that I think really hit me where it's like we're doing what we're supposed to be doing and we will continue to do what we're supposed to be doing love it i love it um you know we we didn't get totally into i mean we haven't we didn't talk about uh the latest record much but um i know you won a mobo award which is incredible like that's yeah. i watched your speech that was very charming I mean, that looked like a very exciting moment <laughs> charming charming's not a word that's been <laughs> that's been used to describe that that speech but thank you very much no it, it was cool it was cool like if it, it felt like you were making your stamp and that's uh, both of you which is which is that's what i find charming you know like right, okay. that's, it's 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 a different level of charming but uh yeah, yeah. but no it was it was really fucking cool to see um I was aware of the project because uh, it just, you know, being a music person, like I've seen, yeah. I had seen the name a ton of times. Um, it obviously is a name that stands out, but one of my best friends, um, I, every year we do like a year end podcast together right. and uh, and he had your record on his top 10 of the year Oh, cool! and hearing him then talk about it, maybe be like, okay, now I've definitely got to yeah. check that out. Um, so that's what kind of, you know, between all of that led us here. So just once right. again, thanks for hanging out with me and I hope we get to oh, actually spend some time together sometime soon. Yeah, for sure. Whenever you're over here, you know, let me know and I'll let you know if ever I'm in uh, LA. I know we're, we're doing the East Coast tour in May, but the mm. West Coast tour is is a little bit later. Sure, sure. You know, sounds but great. But that's where you're at. You still like you're in, in LA? Yeah, I'm in Los Angeles. Yeah. 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 Probably stuck here for, for my life. <laughs> <laughs> is that a bad thing? Uh, it depends who you ask. I mean, the, uh, well, I'll never be able to buy a home, you know? <laughs> That's yeah. how I feel about being in London as well, man. That's how mm-hmm. I feel. Yeah, that's a similar, yeah, similar thing, right? Yeah. Well, but, yeah, you could always yeah. move to Oklahoma. I could always s- move to somewhere Oklahoma. like you know what I mean. Join Hanson <laughs> out in Nebraska or wherever they're yep. from. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's so funny. I my my joke when someone's just like, "What's making it for you?" and I was like, "I just want to be able to uh, have a place where I could get one of those lawnmowers that you drive." That's all I want. I just want to put in my headphones and mow my lawn on one of those things. Yo, because you know what? That says a lot, a lot more because it's like, yeah, fine. Okay. You have a house or whatever, but you also have a house big enough that has a garden big enough to warrant a sit down driving lawnmower because Uh you can't, you can't have one of those in like a tiny little garden. Do you know what I mean? Like you're just turning it around in circles exactly yeah okay that's a that's a that's that's a big garden it is yeah but so like you might be thinking like oh he thinks he's going to be rich and like have a big house or whatever but you're like no but if i that i'm still mowing the lawn if that's the case you know i'm not hiring someone to do it yeah 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 yeah, exactly there's no gardener coming you're sitting you're doing that between between your 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 tours you're coming home and you're mowing the lawn exactly that's my zen moment yeah. Oh man, you're I the best. It. Thank you it. so much. Thank you, man. And that is our show. Thank you so much to Bobby for coming on and thank you for listening. Reminder, there's a bonus episode available right now. If you head on over to patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon, subscribe 
for as little as $3 a month and get access to that bonus episode, plus a whole lot more. And hey, if you haven't subscribed to the show on Spotify, Apple, wherever it is you're listening to this, please do so. Leaving a positive rating and review means the world to me. And uh, yeah, have a good rest of your week. Take care. Bye-bye.